0: It's Tuesday, July nineteenth, twenty twenty-two, and this is the People's Podcast. This is Steak for Breakfast.
1: Smoky,
2: this is not nom. This is bowling. There are rules
1: today, Junior America. Steak for breakfast. So stand by.
0: This episode of the podcast is brought to you as always by Man Rubs. Mm-hmm. Rubs barbecue tools, blow torches, t-shirts, coffee cups, and all around barbecue-related gear for you to make barbecue great again can be found at ManRubs.com and on Instagram ManRubs. Use the code Steak15 for 15% off. Also brought to you by Stay Ready Gear. There at StayReadyGear.com and on Instagram Stay Ready Gear USA. Holsters, custom Kydex, mag carriers, tourniquet carriers, on and off duty gear, hot melted plastic made just for you. Need something custom? They got you covered. Use the code STEAK for 5% off. Don't get ready, stay ready. The Pillow King of Minnesota, and the
3: apparatus known as the MyPillow family. Still got some great deals going on right now for uh, seasonal time at MyPillow. We've got the MySlippers, $49.98, lowest prices ever before. BOGO opportunities, MyTowels, sheets. classic MyPillows, lowest prices than ever before. Some buy one, get one free. Damn! You enter promo code Stake at checkout, you'll get discounts on the hundreds of other products they've got going on down at mypillow.com forward slash steak, or you can talk to a qualified pillow representative at 1-800-658-8045. The top tier of ear gear and the world's most technologically advanced in-studio recording equipment can be found at Odyssey. Whether you're gaming, potting, running up that hill, oh, get your ear needs taken care of and done upright. Odyssey.com is the website. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram as well. Mike, down at West Coast Survival Arms, has been servicing Southern California for over a decade. He's a licensed FFL if you're into the tradesies and don't live in Canada. He's got a five-star rating as well. New the redesign, easy to use website is westcoastsurvivalarms.com. He's on Facebook Messenger and via the telephone, 619-870-6992. Stay for breakfast, backs the blue. We love our first responders and they're always working hard. While they're off-duty, they're probably wearing gear from Mediocre Medic. Sweatshirts, t-shirts, flip-flops, fanny packs and more. Stickers and patches for while they're on the job. Plus they've got a pretty fire IG. Mediochromatic.com is the website. And last but certainly not least, the gold standard of tactical flair, home of the Zero Fuck Duck. Don't know? Go ask Mark Joe Friday, dumpbox.us. Find him on Instagram, find him on Facebook. Friends, don't forget to follow the show on Instagram at for Podcast Breakfast, or on our website at StakeforBreakrefast There you'll find a link tree that'll take you to all our social medias, the website, our newest Substack, Telegram, and more. On that note, and to all our friends joining us today on the Patriot Podcast Network via the Roku Atch from the Twitterverse, Instagram, Discord, Frank's Beach, and now our verified account on True Social, welcome. Tuesday edition Steak for Breakfast Podcast, episode 153. I'm Rome. Noah's here. Yo. Antoinette's back. Oh. Guys, we've got a great show lined up. We're going to be sitting down with the New York Young Republican Club President, Gavin Wax, to discuss everything that's going on in the state and beyond. And we're going to have a great discussion with the spokeswoman for the 45th President of the United States, Miss Liz Harrington, will be here as well. But before we get into any of that, let's jump into the news. How are you guys doing this week? Outstanding. I had a great but horrible weekend. Yeah? Yeah, you know... <laughs> Well, we, yeah, we were, well, Antoinette's got some stuff going on. We'll get into that in a sec. But we were supposed to go away, uh, take a little trip to Arizona, and that didn't go as planned, of course. Uh, we had some things come up. And then in addition to that, I did not get a uh, refund from my Airbnb. So $892 into the wind.
0: You didn't even get a partial? Nothing.
3: What? They have the 14-day cancellation policy, not day of.
4: Wow, that's so fucked up, dude. Yeah.
3: Is that just
0: a specific Airbnb one for that one? Because I got some money back for mine. I got 50% of everything but the first day.
3: All of them are different.
0: Wow. Yeah. My lady was cool. She even actually uh, hooked me up with a little bit more.
3: I like it. And even though that didn't go down, we took the uh, my family took the kids to Universal Studios.
0: Oh, so even more expensive.
3: They had a blast. It was, uh, I believe... Uh, just under seven hundred dollars for the tickets. Both oh. Airbnbs were around two fifty, not including the over hundred dollars in taxes and two hundred dollar cleaning fee for each place. So in addition to losing thousand dollars on our not trip to Arizona for the Trump rally last weekend, I dropped another two grand in Los Angeles that I didn't have this weekend.
0: Well you didn't have to go to work.
3: That's always worth a plus. every penny. Every penny. So and and here we are. Uh Antoinette, how are you doing? Welcome back. We missed you last week. We know you've been busy.
4: Yeah, no, I'm I'm in the process of moving, so it's been really wild. Um, yep. now moving is never fun. Never fun. Doing it with a toddler as well. So, yeah,
3: yeah, I can only imagine. I mean, I did it. I think once when my kids were little, but we kept them distracted. And uh, you guys don't have as much family there as, as I do out here in San Diego. So,
0: I mean, it could be worse. You could have really heavy hobbies.
3: <laughs>
4: I have heavy furniture. Yeah, there. You <laughs> go.
0: Joe Biden had a heavy trip
3: last weekend. Uh, he took his first official trip as well. And I'm air quoting again, official trip as the president of the United States to the uh, house of Saud to meet MBS. And yeah, didn't really go as planned. Well, it probably went exactly to plan, but not the plan that Joe Biden had in mind or that his handlers told him was going to go down. Um, it's just weird optics from top to bottom, and it's one of those things where... I just
0: want to stop fist bumping people. Mm. It's so awkward.
4: Weird. It's so awkward.
3: <laughs> well, that was only one of the uh, weird things that came out of that. There, were, there was so much stuff going on in regards to that trip. We do have to take into consideration the fact that just 16 months ago, um, Joe Biden and his administration were talking how... They don't even really consider them a legitimate government after what happened to that journalist for Al Jazeera, mm. and he couldn't ever see himself sitting across the table, more or less meeting him face to face. Well, that's awkward, as he did this past week and and, and into over the weekend. Yeah, I, I thought it was really interesting to see. I I don't understand what the optics of it were, but by the end of this segment, you're going to see that you know it really wasn't. A very
0: productive trip and uh I love all the memes with the they photoshopped Joe Biden holding a gas can like he ran out of gas on the side of the road it's amazing or him tripping up the stairs with the gas can yeah love it I mean it's a heavy gas
3: can
4: I like them uh the the reels that people are making of the difference of Biden versus Trump with them I think it's so funny oh yeah I mean
0: crickets versus music Mm -hmm sword dance versus fist bumps
3: <laughs> yeah it, it definitely was uh, a lot of bad optics and as we jump into some of our audio clips here the first one we're going to hear from is uh republican senator january 6th run around the halls crying mm. tom cotton weighing in on some of the optics of this trip from the uh, inside looking out let's hear what they had to say on i, w- I think it was maria
1: Let's bring in Arkansas Republican Senator Tom Cotton to talk more about all of this. Senator, the main event on President Biden's schedule this evening there in Saudi Arabia is this big meeting as we just saw in that pool spray with Mohammed bin Salman, the crown prince of Saudi Arabia. That is a complete 180 from what the president said a couple of weeks ago Mm -hmm. was going to be the focus of this trip. Listen to what he said back in June.
2: I'm not going to meet with... I'm not going to meet with MBS. I'm going to an international meeting... If you're going to be
1: part of it, I'm not going to meet with MBS. I'm going to an international meeting. He, he, he has a pension, this president. Of telling the nation what he's not going to do, and then doing the opposite. <laughs> and in doing so, it, it almost gives the idea that MBS has got the upper hand here.
3: He sure does.
1: Well,
5: John, it also kind of creates the worst of both worlds. Joe Biden should have never ostracized Saudi Arabia and Mohammed bin Salman. That country has been a partner of ours for 80 years, and a dozen presidents, going back to Franklin Delano Roosevelt, found a way to work with their leaders to help provide safety and prosperity to the American people. That's what Joe Biden should have been doing from the very beginning. But by going down this path, by calling it a pariah state and saying that he wouldn't meet with the crown prince, the de facto day to day ruler of Saudi Arabia, he only probably antagonizes the Saudis more more and then he still turns around and meets with them when he is there he should just say as a dozen presidents for 80 years have said that saudi arabia is an important partner of the united states it's an important force for stability with our other friends to include israel in a region when iran is threatening Mm -hmm. us all and try to work with them to defend the interests of the american people
3: Hmm. sounds simple enough right Mm -hmm.
4: mm-hmm mm-hmm
3: So when Joe Biden got to Saudi Arabia, I saw, well, let's rewind a little bit. We all know Donald Trump went, and it was like, everybody remembers the sword dance, the ceremonies, the touching of the orb, and all that other stuff. But what some people don't realize, the Hollywood-type welcome they gave Donald Trump with, like, the parade horses who high-stepped and hundreds, if not thousands, of soldiers And uh, parts of the Royal Guard of uh, the Saudi family that welcomed Donald Trump. It was like literally probably like the world leader version of the best bachelor party ever. (laughs) Literally when Donald Trump went.
4: Great way of putting it.
3: It, Well, let's just compare that with what happened last week. Joe Biden was met on the tarback by 10 diplomats, Mm -hmm. five soldiers, and the mayor of Mecca. Yeah, that's it.
4: I mean, it's like, it's a joke. You've never I
3: mean, seen a U.S. president treated like this before, huh, Antoinette?
4: Not never. And it's very telling. And if nobody is noticing this it, on any side, I don't even know what to say at this point. But it's very obvious, like, who, who, in my opinion, is the real leader
3: I I don't disagree with you there. Uh, The Saudi foreign minister was one of the top diplomats from the kingdom who attended all of these high-level meetings, and uh, he gave a little brief to his people following some of them. Let's hear some of that audio
6: made uh, quite clear to President Biden that uh, we have an expectation uh, uh, to see the U.S. behave uh, in a similar uh, responsible attitude. You know, we have seen uh, issues, whether it's Abu Ghraib or uh, uh, even the drone strike in 2021, you know, which have a uh, full family cut. You and know, all of these are issues that demand accountability. The U.S. has shown historically that it holds itself accountable. The kingdom has done exactly the same. To impose your values on others is not going to be uh, effective, it will get you uh, a negative reaction, it will get you exactly Mm. the opposite of one. You cannot impose your values by force, and you have to understand, the Crown Prince was quite clear with uh, President Biden, that uh, in the end we have our own values, and those values we are not going to align 100% with U.S. values ever, because we are very, very uh, proud of our own traditions, our own values, our own uh, faith. uh, we're going to work together is if we respect each other and that includes uh, countries respecting each other's values and sovereignty. Mm. Uh, uh, I think the conversation uh, was uh, quite clear and I believe President Biden uh, uh, took it uh, uh, to heart in, uh, in this discussion.
3: So, in other words, fuck Joe Biden Yep, and everything he asked for. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah, not really good optics there. It's kind of like, okay, you don't like the fact that we stone gay people to death. We have the religious police that run around and you want to make a big deal out of the the murder of Khashoggi. However, you know, just like last year, you guys droned a family, which includes seven kids in Afghanistan, didn't take any responsibility for it and called it like Taliban or ISIS people. And, you know.
0: Well, we didn't drone a gay family. You don't know that. (laughs) I mean.
4: I mean,
3: yeah. But it's, like, one of those things where they okay. say, like, we're partners, but ideologically we don't match up on everything. We do ideologically match up on a, we want a free and fair trade market. We want peace and stability to a point. It's mm-hmm. a very Tinderbox-like portion of the world, but in the region. Uh, we want Iran contained. We want so- or, uh, Israel left alone. And, uh, you know, those things we can all agree on, and we have f- for decades. And it just seems like right off the bat, as part of this administration does and everything— they virtue single to the nth degree. They completely destroy everything. And then they try to walk it back and say that they didn't do it or they didn't mean it that way. And uh, good for Saudi Arabia. They're an extremely modern ruling governor governing body over there. And they understand this stuff. They're like, you know, I feel like a lot of their high ranking members of their administration, like watch social media and participate on stuff like that. And it's not like our administration where everybody's so absolutely detached from reality. It's disgusting. Yeah. And uh, you know they they had a lot of receipts on Joe Biden, and uh, it, it was pretty ugly. He returned to the White House over the weekend under the cover of darkness, and uh, they were trying to usher him inside, but the reporters were peppering him so bad he had, went over and asked a question.
7: President Biden, the Saudi foreign minister says he didn't hear you accuse the Crown Prince of Khashoggi's murder. Is he telling the truth?
5: Is the Saudi foreign minister lying, President Biden?
3: Here he comes. Mm-hmm. Look, it's like a scary movie.
8: The Saudi foreign minister says he didn't hear you accuse the crown. What did you say, Mitch? Of Khashoggi's murder. Is he telling the truth? No. Do
9: you <laughs> no? this pump, Mr. President? Why don't you guys talk about something that matters?
8: Uh, I'm happy to ask the question that matters. Will inflation go down from here, Mr. President? I'm
7: hoping. It will <laughs> President Biden, will you be honoring your campaign pledge to release all of the marijuana inmates in prison?
2: I don't think, it's, I don't think anyone not think anyone should be in for the use of marijuana. We're working on the fundraise. Thank you.
4: <laughs> did, did not
3: you, know what to say. <laughs> we, we've literally played it over and over again on this show. Not only Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, but multiple people at the highest level. You know, you've had uh, Kirby, you've had um, Millie and Austin all talk about the Khashoggi murder. And, you know, he asked Joe Biden if the defense minister from or the diplomat from Saudi Arabia was telling the truth. No, immediately anything that they built bridge wise over the course of that trip, that receipt destroys it. And then he says, well, do you think the gas prices are going to go down? I don't know. I hope so.
0: <laughs> Me too. Yeah,
3: I think we all do. Yeah. Well, according to the Biden administration, gas prices have gone down 50 cents over the last six weeks, which gives us a whopping 25 more dollars a month in our wallet. So that means we could buy one right. one and a half new cartons of eggs. <laughs> <laughs> what a shit What, what a think. shit show. Speaking of which. Bernie Sanders was doing the rounds this weekend. <laughs> he sat down with uh, Martha Raddatz on ABC for one of their Sunday shows, and he wasn't too thrilled with Joe Biden going over to Saudi Arabia. Let's hear him uh, ask for financial contributions
5: now by Senator Bernie Sanders. It's good to see you this morning, Senator Sanders. President Biden is back from his trip, a trip that has gotten a lot of blowback from even your fellow Democrats, especially that fist bump with the Saudi Crown Prince. You've referred to Saudi Arabia as a brutal dictatorship that crushes democracy. Should, should Biden have gone?
2: No, I, I don't think so. You have a, a leader of that country. I think you do a better uh, Bernie no. who was involved in the murder of a Washington Post journalist. Uh, I don't think that that type of government should be rewarded uh, with a visit by the president of the United States.
5: But but at the heart of the discussions was oil, and President Biden said that Saudis would take action in the coming weeks. Could that make a difference? And and doesn't that explain why he went? What would you have
10: done?
2: Well, I'm sure that, muff, I'm sure that Mm -hmm. that is why he went. But the truth of the matter is, if you're looking at the outrageously high-cost of gas at the pumps right now, one of the things we have got to look at is the fact that while Americans are now paying 450 480 for a gallon of gas, the oil company profits in the last quarter have been extraordinarily high. And I happen to believe that we have got to tell the oil companies to start ripping off the American people. And what? if they don't, we should impose a windfall profits tax on them.
5: So, so would you just ignore the Saudis if you were president?
2: (laughs) Sure. That's going to work out great for you. Look, you got a family that is worth $100 billion, which crushes democracy, which treats women as third-class citizens, which murders and imprisons its opponents. And if this country believes in anything, we believe in human rights, we believe in democracy. And I just don't believe that we should be uh, maintaining a, a warm relationship. With a dictatorship uh, like that,
0: you know, first, first, everything he just said is what people besides you know, jailing opponents is what people are claiming that we are here. Well, even if you, but wanna... we are jailing our opponents.
3: Well, that's the thing. For a second there, I thought he was talking about his 2016 primary opponent Hillary right?
9: Clinton. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
3: Yeah, just uh, it, it seems like his non-answers to some of the questions she was asking confirmed that they just don't know what to do with this guy anymore. The fact
0: fact is that thermite car bombs are just too high.
3: Exactly. The price of thermite is through the roof. (laughs) Well, well, you knew that commentary from a lot of the radical progressive media here on the legacy side from the United States. In addition to Joe Biden's comments getting off the plane, we're going to get back to Saudi Arabia pretty quick. CNN sat down with that diplomat that was reading some of the things that weren't going to change like the out. You know, the production of oil, which is going to remain at 13 million barrels a day. Perfect. And uh, things of that nature. But let's hear the foreign minister sit down with CNN and, and talk about what Joe Biden got out of his meetings.
9: President Biden has taken a lot of heat for that fist bump photo with Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman. What did President Biden get
8: out of that?
6: Uh, he got out of it a meeting with uh, a key leader in the king, in the region. Hmm. Uh, he got out of it, I think, had a reinvigoration of the strategic partnership between Saudi Arabia and the United States.
2: He must have got something. What did, what did
9: you
8: give him?
6: I, I see the image as a win for President Biden. But
8: did he have to get a fist bump in public <laughs> to open the door to all of that? Uh,
6: I don't know why uh, we're hung up on a fist bump. I think, uh, you know, the two leaders met. Uh, they exchanged pleasantry. This is quite normal. So. If you don't understand it yet.
0: The president's son
3: also likes fists and bumps. That that is, that is very factual. But just the image of those two fist bumping absolves the Saudi government from any negative things that the Biden administration have said about them for the last 18 months. Mm-hmm. It literally does. You know, they call them ruthless, tyrannical, murderous, uh, not with the first world, uh, using archaic, biblical ways of governing their people and treating women and political opponents, blah, blah, blah. You can say all those things you want. If you get on your plane and fly over to their kingdom and the first thing you do when you meet their leader is fist bump them and awkwardly smile, all of those things don't mean anything. It's just hyperbole. Yeah. That's it. And, uh, you know, that's kind of the situation that Biden has put our nation in, which I prefer. I prefer a strong relationship with Saudi Arabia. And uh, I I think a lot of people in the America First movement do too. A strong Saudi Arabia means better opportunities for us in the region overall when we have the right people running this country. Joe Biden was asked earlier in the week, I believe it was yesterday during his first press conference since being back from Saudi Arabia, about some of the optics and dynamics of those closed-door meetings he had with uh, the Saudi prince, Saudi king, and and the other diplomats there. Uh, Let's hear him weigh in on what he thought he got out of it.
2: Finally, we discussed human rights and the need for political reform. As always, as I always do, I made clear that the topic was vitally important to me and to the United States. With Respect to the murder of Khashoggi, I raised it at the top of the meeting, making it clear what I thought of it at the time and what I think of it now. And it was exactly, I was straightforward and direct in discussing it. I made my view crystal clear I said very straightforwardly, for an American president to be silent on an issue of human rights is this consistent with, inconsistent with who we are and who I am. I'll always stand up for our values.
3: Good for you, Joe. Mm. Pretty ugly. And uh, according to, you know, what's coming out of Saudi Arabia right now, not accurate. And even if it was, let's just say that item was raised in the beginning of meetings, it seemed like they shrugged it off. Um, There was a point it doesn't make any sense to play on the show because there's not really any optics to it. I I, I did share the picture Um, and it's the reaction from Blinken, Biden and one other high ranking administration official, their faces to when the pressed someone in the press inadvertently interjected their photo opportunity across the sides from each other on the table and started asking about the, the Khashoggi murder. And. It was right when they started asking, are you going to hold this kingdom accountable for for those crimes? Uh, MBS smiled. And Biden, Blinken, and whoever the other person is they're sitting with just looked absolutely stupefied. Wow. Yeah, and I captioned it and threw it on our social medias with the caption, no oil, no deals. Mm. And yeah, it's just one of those things where, you know, Right now, this administration is is really in disarray. Uh, They're failing everywhere. And we're just finding out today that we're going to be seeing some new executive orders coming out tomorrow regarding a climate energy crisis, which is Noah's favorite thing to talk about. Fantastic. We love our climate energy crisis, crises on steak for breakfast. Here's the picture. <laughs> it, it's really bad.
0: Lost in the sauce.
3: It is. And, and, you know, it's one of those things where.
0: If he's not sleeping, he's confused.
3: That is confirmed. So, last clip I got from this narrative came this morning. Uh, Big Dick Ron DeSantis was down in Florida doing what he does. And someone, I guess, while talking about things from the Civics Academy, uh, asked him in regards to this recent trip Joe Biden had to Saudi Arabia. Let's hear. Governor DeSantis way in on it.
8: How come it's wrong to produce our own oil and gas here, but you can go to Saudi Arabia and fist bump to try to get it from Saudi? I mean, it makes no sense that we wouldn't do it. We have opportunities here to be inner energy independent and not have to worry about any of these other countries, and yet they're intentionally not doing it and you can't run a modern economy on windmills you just can't do it so we do a lot of solar in florida it is a compliment it does not displace the traditional forms of energy and so now we're in a situation they're bragging that gas has gone down over the last however many weeks it's still over four bucks like i had never seen it over four bucks in my whole life living here so i mean it's really but that is the problem it's just when you're when you're uh crank in the printing presses you're making energy more expensive you know that creates an upward pressure on all of this stuff and so the acceleration from may to june um, that we saw at the end of June uh, not only was they said it wouldn't happen then they said it was a blip then they said it would peak soon it still didn't peak uh, even after that and so that's really making it difficult for a lot of people you know t- to make ends meet I mm-hmm. mean you can uh, have opportunities for more income you get a what a nine ten percent pay increase and that's wiped out immediately with the bide inflation so it's a big problem and certainly from a supply chain perspective
3: um, Absolutely. The energy crisis right now that we're having at the fuel pump, not in regards to climate change, is is what's, well, as cliche as it sounds, fueling all of the other problems we're having right now with our economy. Uh, We talked in Extent a few shows ago with, you know, shipping company owner Mike Collins Mm -hmm. and how this gas crisis has uh, definitely hurt his trucking business. And we've had a lot of, Both legal and uh, energy experts on the show, everybody from, you know, Amir Beno to J.R. Majewski, uh, who've come in and weighed in on this and said that an overwhelming majority of the problems we're having right now with gas, with energy, I mean, we all know it, you know, due to the re-implementation of Obama-era regulations and the killing of certain deals here and there, this is self-induced, you know, like dying by a thousand stabs uh, by this administration, and it's all in an attempt to... End the reliance on fossil fuels, which is impossible. And destroy the middle class, which, you know, they're doing a pretty successful job of doing right now. All right, joining us on the show today, she is the spokesperson for President Donald J. Trump. Joining us again on Steak for Breakfast, Ms. Liz Harrington. Thanks for coming down.
11: Hey, guys. Thanks for having me again.
3: Man, it's our pleasure. How's everything going on with you?
11: Good, good. Um, busy, fighting on, uh, lots going on and uh, we're excited.
3: No, so are we. Uh, you know, there's so much to talk about right now. We, we uh, I guess we could start off at the top of the ticker and uh, some of the stuff we're going to be talking about on our show today. The uh, failed Middle East trip uh, by Joe Biden, The everything from start to finish, you know, the optics, the actual negotiations, and, and and some of the diplomacy that they tried to share between them. And then when he came back, there was a whole lot of walking back things that We saw physically happen through their press conferences and through the Saudi foreign minister talk about. And then the Biden administration just says like, oh, no, it didn't happen or it didn't happen that way. And just how bad and weak it makes us look right now.
11: You know, it's really unbelievable. And I try to kind of tune out as much as I can uh, what he does just because it's so demoralizing. And, you know, we talk a lot about phantom voters we really have a phantom president right now. We don't have, you know, we have someone like a body like standing there, but in every real sense of the word, it's it's not real, it's not a real voter behind that vote. It's not a real president, you know, representing the greatest country on earth. Uh, so you just kind of almost have to tune it out or otherwise you'll get very depressed very quickly and realize who's actually running things. This is like totally set up, designed to cripple America, make us a laughingstock on the world stage, all of that. And then you just go down a very dark spiral, (laughs) Um, but no, obviously it all matters, and you have to pay attention to it. And it's embarrassing. It's terrible. It's having real consequences. And I mean, where do you even start? I mean, this is such a joke. Uh, just to even see him bumbling around over there for for no reason. I mean, this is complete theater. We don't need. Any oil from Saudi Arabia, we have plenty right here in the United States. I mean, there's just no reason. Uh, This is insane. Why is it good for the environment to be drilling everywhere else on Earth? It's great for our enemies, right? Any other country, adversary, friend, foe, it doesn't matter. Uh, They can all uh, tap their resources, but we're not allowed to. It's so despicable what they're doing it's such a sabotage of our great country and it's not just hurting us it's it's hurting the entire world because look who's benefiting all, all the bad you know guys are basically benefiting uh from America not being a net exporter and amazing producer of energy to provide to the world like we were under president Trump
3: Yeah I mean you're 100% correct when you talk about some of the uh... The countries that are benefiting the most, obviously Russia, who, you know, Donald Trump did more than an excellent job of containing over the course of his presidency, and he's been the only one in modern times to do so. We always talk about that on the show. It's such a, a a crucial issue. They could make and spin whatever narrative, like they were buds and they had, you know, they, they laughed about bad stuff going on in the world. Fact of the matter, Vladimir Putin didn't do anything to any other country while Donald Trump was the president. End point. Uh, you could say whatever you want about the optics of it or how he did it, but Donald Trump did a lot of things differently than other presidents. And guess what? He had immense success in doing so. Yep. Uh, I think when when you talk about you know how China and places like Venezuela and Iran have have benefited from this, and, and even Saudi Arabia, I don't think they uh, are pretty satisfactory in in their region right now with the stability of things going on, and and they're even like, you know, pseudo negotiating with Iran who regularly drones their oil fields now because of the weak leadership in the United States. And we've seen such a collapse on the global scale since Donald Trump's left office, Boris Johnson, uh, the assassination of Shinzo Abe. You see what's going mm. on in Europe with the, uh, the stuff with the farmers. You had, you know, basically a, a president saying that he doesn't want to be president anymore in Italy. And it just seems because of the power vacuum in the Oval Office right now, uh, the rest of the world is really feeling it. And these are the results.
11: Exactly. The consequences of a weak America are just devastating, and we're seeing it slowly play out. It's it's very scary times, really, to look at the destabilization. It's not just um, one country. It is almost all happening at once. And you laid it out so well of, of just the almost domino effect of having a weak America, of not having a strong uh, leader. And we clearly don't have that right now. And we had it under President Trump. I mean, everything he did was just such basic common sense, but for the benefit of our country. And like we said, when you have a strong America and when you have respect for America, The bad actors don't do the bad actions. I mean, that's just the way it goes. And that's human nature. But that's how nations act as well on the bigger scale. When you have this vacuum, when you have uh, the lack of leadership, you would have never dreamed of Russia going in against Ukraine under Donald J. Trump's watch. It would have never happened. Everyone knows it. Even the fake news had to admit it. Well, why didn't we see this happen? Everyone knows why. Because America, you wouldn't think twice about doing anything uh, that President Trump (laughs) didn't approve of, really. I mean, because he's not all talk. He actually has actions to back it up. And they know that they can just do whatever they want because there's nothing, there's no no force behind our empty words. Our words now are not just empty and hypocritical. uh, They really are totally meaningless. And they they literally have nothing behind them uh, except smoke and mirrors and manipulation and everyone's beholden to somebody else. I mean, that type of weakness is so provocative to people like Putin, to people like Xi, to enemies all across the world. I mean, they capitalize and that's what's happening. And it's scary to see just these nations fall apart when they were so, for the first time we had three peace deals in the Middle East going on four and five. Uh, under President Trump, I mean, this uh, unheard of—the the stability you had in that region, the stability you had in Europe, uh, and of course with Russia and China. China wasn't dreaming of moving on Taiwan or any or, or doing really anything else. I mean, they were—they had to come to the negotiating table on trade. Yep. And before the China virus, I mean, obviously they had plans to, they had to do something to disrupt everything because you know America was winning and that's bad for the globalist agenda it just is when America's strong uh, all other freedom loving nations are strong when we have good sovereignty when we have better trade deals when we have a uh, better middle class all these different things make the entire world more stable and they can't do Get up to all these shenanigans that we see they're up to. And, and it's just so bad for not just American workers, but the entire globe as well.
3: Yeah. And, and you know, you could point it out into just some of the things that happened in regards to, like, let's just take some of the comparisons to the way Donald Trump leads and the way Joe Biden is, well, can you know, supposedly doing it these days. So, you know, they made the big Khashoggi stink about this whole trip that the media did and you know they interrupted meetings and this that and the other thing and then joe biden comes back to the united states and, and says like oh yeah we we made it the forefront we told them about our disgust and they really like you know they understand them and then you have the foreign minister for saudi arabia come out and go on cnn like literally that night and was like no we didn't talk about it it never happened it's like they know it's a non-starter and non-issue where in turn donald trump he still goes to rallies to this day when he talks about what's going on in, between russia and ukraine and he's like listen i told Vladimir Putin, you invade Ukraine, I'll bomb Moscow. Now, you don't see anybody, like, Russia's one of those things when when they have false narratives come out about them, they want to dispel it immediately. I've never seen anybody from Russian state media or even Vladimir Putin weigh in on the fact that oh no, he never said that to me, he's just doing his little grandstand. Like, I believe firmly that that really happened. Yeah, And you could just see the optics and the the, the respect level that leaders had for each other, and it's, it's one of those things that we're surely lacking in the Oval Office these days.
11: Oh, absolutely. And they all kind of know that America's for sale now. And it has been for in the people that are supposedly running it have, you know, sold it out for decades in the case of Joe Biden. But uh, they know that there's, there's nothing behind it. They know, I mean, after Afghanistan, they know that we're not gonna do what's in the best interest of America. We're not gonna do what's good for a strong America and a stable world. So, I mean, that was such a signal. And what kind of withdrawal was that? I mean, that is so devastating. And I think for years to come, looking back on that type of sabotage of a 20-year war to leave $85 billion worth of equipment in the hands of the enemy, to leave Americans behind, No accounting. I mean, we still don't even know how many were actually left. And this is who does that to their own people? Who does that to the region when you spilt so much blood and treasure? Um, And it just kind of pulled the mask off the whole thing to begin with. It was, you know, sold on so many lies. the The war on terror, and it was at the end of the day, a bunch of people making money off of it yep. and laundering money, and they give up. What do they do? Well, let's give uh, Bagram Airfield to China. <laughs> let's let them take it over. What could go And wrong? give it up while, before we get our people out. I mean, that kind of insane self-destruction um, it's just so mind mind blowing, and it sent a signal to the rest of the world. Uh, I think that you know America is not the the leading superpower anymore, and at least the the leaders pretending to be leaders of our country don't want it to be anymore, and that I mean opens the door for so many bad actions to follow. And unless we get a grip of, on things and really turn them around fast, um, you know, it's going to continue that way. There's going to be more instability. So that's why it's so important. we got to fix our elections because that is the fundamental issue. We can't fix anything else. Uh, it, all this other stuff is kind of, you know, teetering around the edges and, and looking here and there. I, I mean. Big problems, don't get me wrong, these are huge, huge problems with inflation and gas prices and everything else, but how do you fix them if you can't get the Patriots in on a fair and honest vote to fix them, right? Unless we're just going to get a bunch of hand-picked leaders again who, well, they promised border security for how many decades? They never delivered, President Trump delivered. They promised energy independence for decades. What did they do? They got us more dependent on foreign oil. They promised uh, so many things. Uh, Anti-war, right? And we got more wars. I mean, we got the same uh, radical agenda that puts America last. So unless you get the real deal like a President Trump with real elections, uh, with real patriots, America first candidates winning all these seats, you're not going to get the real change that we desperately, desperately need.
3: No, you make a whole lot of sense and it it's it's one of those things where you know we talked about it with Christina Bob who was on our show on Friday. Uh she she does such great commentary. She comes on, she talks Absolutely. about everything that's going on in her world. She told me, "Actually, I have the text right here. I'm going to read it so I don't I don't want to confuse <laughs> her words. She actually texted me this afternoon. Tell Liz I said she's awesome." <laughs> so with a smiley face and an exclamation point. But uh, yeah, she, we can
11: just communicate through I also talked to her this afternoon, but we can communicate through your show tell Christina <laughs> the feeling is mutual <laughs>
3: I'll do that. she always like has it. the best things to say about you and tells us how hard you're working for the American people. but one of the things we've talked about is the fact that Donald Trump number one doesn't lie and number two is always proven right and we've had it everything from like obamagate spy gate Russia gate impeachment volume one impeachment volume two january 6th committee which is pseudo impeachment volume three right all the things that he said listen this is the way i did it if you want to spin the narrative and change it into something else that's fine but at the end of the day we're going to have receipts i mean i was the president it's like everything's recorded there's documentation for everything uh you've got people like cash patel who's leaking a lot of this well you know, uh, legally leaking a lot of the stuff for everybody to see from the archives and stuff regarding January 6th. We're getting to the bottom of that narrative. The only one that the mainstream media has not really given into yet is the 2020 presidential election. But between these ridiculously falling poll numbers, the optics on the worldwide view and the fact of the matter of, uh, you know, 94 percent of 18 to 33 and 78 percent overall of Democrat and independent voters don't want Joe Biden to run in the midterms when he supposedly got the most votes in the history of the galaxy. Uh, (laughs) We all know that's where they, we're at. Yeah, right they now. might
0: have to just like stoop to admitting it was stolen just because of yeah. their ratings, <laughs> and, and that that's really where
3: we're at. We feel like at the end of the day, President Trump is going to be vindicated and eventually proven right on this. Yep.
11: Well, it would be like you said, literally the one thing. This is what frustrates me so much with you know conservative, you know media. Uh, this is the one issue. Like it's perfectly fine for them to talk about. The laptop from hell, mm-hmm. or you know, this, that, or the other scandal, and all things that President Trump called from day one. Mm-hmm. I mean, he came up with the name for goodness sakes. Um, why is it okay to talk about all these things now that the you know it became acceptable after the election, right? With the laptops and everything else. Why is the one thing you you claim he's wrong about, you know? Really? I mean, he's literally right about everything else, but they won't touch election fraud when there's so much there. I mean, I'm telling you, to this day, there's so much that you can dig into and find concrete evidence of fraud, determinative fraud mean, real journalists. And there's plenty out there. Especially on the right, there still there still are some out there. I mean, you you'd have a field day. There's just so much to look into, and they refuse to look into it. And of course, he's going to be proven right, and history will certainly prove him right. But I think we don't have to wait at, that long. I really do. I feel more optimistic today than probably I was the last time I was on your podcast. I think <laughs> I was on in like a little, probably a Debbie Downer. <laughs>
0: Yeah, you,
3: you were I like,
11: apologize I, you're like,
0: I don't
3: even know. This is listeners. just disgusting. Yeah, no, you were, you were, you were crapping on everything last time you were on. It was pretty <laughs> funny. We're like, wow, she's pretty, she was pretty mad today. So
11: <laughs> that's kind of like the nature of this fight though. You know, it's yeah. just like, you get knocked down some days. It's like, Oh, you get back up. I'm sure tomorrow I'll probably be like, ah, it's all, going. <laughs> it's, all it's all over, but there is so much. And I've, I've Firmly believe that the truth, it's on our side, and the truth is going to win at the end of the day. That's that's, and we just have to do our part. We just have to do what's right, regardless of what happens, regardless of the outcome. I mean, that's that's how this nation was formed in the first place, yeah. right? It was small bands and pockets of patriots, um, just relying on God and doing the right thing and s- sacrificing uh, their lives fortunes and sacred honor that's what that's what it was about and they won and so that's kind of the mindset we need to have look the other sides they're going for broke if you mentioned 1776 now oh. you're domestic terrorist insurrectionists. Yep. you know they hate this country they want to destroy it um everyone needs to get serious about what fight we're in and get to the root cause. Get to the thing that can actually fix things. Get to what's something that's real. And that, to me, is election integrity. That's the issue. That's what's going uh, to break through everything else. Everything else will follow. And. Um, go
3: from there yeah it's continuing to overwhelm those ballot boxes on election days too because so many of these trump endorsed america first candidates that are out there uh you know are are talking about their number one issue in regards to like the core four: the economy the gas the border and overall safety in our country one a is election integrity and the fact that the 2020 presidential election was rigged and stolen uh you know the historical fraud blue wall states mail-in ballots mules you name it there were so many different things they used to to right. overwhelm the non-referendum the 2020 presidential election was on President Trump due to the fact that he garnered 13 more million votes than he did in his first run for the presidency. So all of those narratives are completely debunked and blown out of the water. You can't say that someone's, you know, getting voted out of office when they get 13 million more
11: it, votes. It, exactly. And, I mean, all of it doesn't even make sense. Um, and they had no mandate, even if you believe their lies. Right. Um, and they, yeah, I mean, that's what President Trump says all the time, too. I mean, even if you believed it, it's, you know, there's not a mandate for this. I mean, this is insane. There's not a mandate to destroy our borders and uh, what they did in Afghanistan and what they've done to the economy and the crime levels. It's just unbelievable what they're doing. The lawlessness, uh, going after political opponents. It's just, of course, there's no mandate for that. Um, but yes, you're absolutely right, and all of our and you'll you you'll notice. I mean, all of the real deal, MAGA candidates are under attack like never before. Yep. Why is that? Because they can't be controlled, mm-hmm. and they actually fear them. If they get in, they know you'll. The game's over. I mean, the corruption is going to stop and it's going to be exposed. And that's what they really fear. They fear that the people will actually be represented and will actually be a constitutional republic again. Not just this, you know, illusion and facade, this apparition that doesn't exist anymore. We're all just pretending it's still America. No, we'll actually have to have legitimate votes Uh, legitimate mandates. And it'll be led by the people. And that's what they're so fearful against. That's why they're trying to, you know, poison the well and make it seem this false narrative against Carrie Lake, who is a rock star, who the people love and is up by double digits. A big data poll just came out. She's up by 12 and then you have the fake news come trotting along. Oh, you know, Doug Ducey, who couldn't run for Senate because he couldn't get elected. Yep. Uh, oh, he's, you know, taking on Trump and oh, they're bringing in Pence. Oh, really? The most unliked person uh, after what he did on January 6th in the Republican Party? That guy is going to take on the most popular Republican in In modern history, (laughs) it's a joke, but they're putting this false narrative out there to set it up to try to cheat again. I'm sorry. That's just what they're going to try to do. That means we need to be out there in force. MAGA needs to go out. All the independents need to go out. Anyone who cares about this country needs to go out on Election Day and destroy their narrative and watch the drop boxes and watch the polls and do not take no for an answer and make sure we have a free and fair vote. Because when we have a free and fair vote, I mean, there's just no, it's no contest. I and mean, I just think it, it's hilarious. What, are they going to bust people in for a Pence fake rally like, <laughs> versus Trump? I mean, we're going to have tens of thousands of people in Prescott on, on Friday. I mean, it's just a joke. And then they're going to pretend whatever they're going to try to pretend. We got to stay the course and not let them get in our heads. But we have these amazing candidates and there's a reason why the knives are all coming out against them because yep. they're the real deal, just like president Trump is. Yeah.
3: Oh, you're a hundred percent correct and that. I tell you what, he's, he's endorsed a lot of candidates for a lot of different offices in, in many States across the country. We're waiting for polls to close right now in Maryland. We're huge supporters of Dan Cox and all the stuff he's yes. doing there. You know, he's been on the show. He's great. I talked with his wife this week and if they have a successful primary, uh, victory tonight, then he'll be back on the show again soon. They're looking forward to it, but that ticket in Arizona has to be one of the best. When you talk about Kerry Lake, Blake Masters, Mark Fincham, Abe Hamaday, and then Solid. today, uh, David Farnsworth was endorsed by President Trump for Speaker of the House. Top to bottom, you you know you got to assume that some, between now and November, there's going to be a couple endorsements for House seats in Arizona. It's going to be just an amazing state if these voters get out there and do what they're supposed to do on election day.
11: It's amazing. There's so many real patriots. Arizona is one of these battlegrounds that the fight for 2020 is still going on, it's still raging, you're still finding evidence come out. It's one of these very important states that there's a reason why there's such a battle there. Uh, And they put out so many lies about it because it's so, so important. And as you mentioned, all these candidates, they're just so impressive, they're real patriots, they just love the country, they didn't have to do it. And so I love about Carrie Lake. That's what I love about Mark Fincham. He's just like a regular guy who saw what happened in 2020, saw Rusty Bowers, total corrupt rhino, would not hold a hearing as Speaker of the House. And Mark Fincham was like, I see all this evidence, we're gonna hold a hearing anyway. And it was after Doug Mastriano, our great candidate, Trump endorsed in Pennsylvania, he held the first hearing. And those were such pivotal moments for the election integrity movement because it showed it it went directly to the people. It it just sidestepped the media. We had great, you know, networks like Right Side Broadcasting and OAN cover it and just unfiltered hours on end of real people just stepping up and saying this is wrong. I know what I saw. I signed this affidavit. And it was just hours of this, hours. And they then they say there's no evidence or that's been debunked. They haven't debunked any of it. They haven't. They're so fearful that the evidence will actually get out there. And it, and so much of it already has to the people. Um, that's why they'd have to try to smear 2,000 mules, which is such a big part of it. And it's just amazing because the truth just keeps it just keeps charging on, it keeps marching on. And we've got these great candidates who, that's what they're all about. They're just about the truth and they're real fighters. Uh, Blake Masters is such a solid candidate and the Trump endorsement, such a huge boost to him. He's going to be fantastic. And we've seen it over and over again. And that's what they're afraid of. They're afraid they're afraid of these people getting in there because they know they can't actually buy them. They can't, they're not for sale. They're not beholden to anybody. It's the people that are behind them, and President Trump, you know, gives them that boost to say, "Here's my seal of approval." And MAGA voters know, and they say, "Absolutely," and it puts them over the top. And and they're very fer- fearful of that.
3: Yeah, that, that some of those polls you were just talking, I see it coming across the ticker right now. Blake Masters has climbed to uh, an 11-point lead in this new poll that was just released by CD Media and the People's Pundit, which uh, puts them at over 30% for the first time, uh, lowers the undecided voters. And then Carrie Lake, over 43% in first place with the, with the nearest. I'm not even going to mention their names after what some of the legacy medias have done to Miss Carrie Lake over the last couple of weeks. She's sub-30%, so almost a 14 point lead for her there as well. And uh, we've had that entire Arizona ticket on the show multiple times and, you know, we'll continue to bring them on all the way up through the general election and, and promote those America first values that they're all running on. Um, Liz, I want to switch gears a little bit. Some of our listenership this week has been asking because they knew, you know, we tease who's coming on the show a couple days before. Now, over the course of the last week or so, we've seen a couple tragedies in the the life of the president. Obviously, we already touched on a little bit the assassination of one of his great friends, not just diplomatically, but person-to-person Shinzo Abe. And then, of course, the unfortunate and unforeseen death of a— you know, the mother of his children, uh, Ivana Trump, how's the president doing right now? We know that he's getting gearing up for, you know, we've had so many people in the administration, like, you know, Whitaker and Cash, uh, Devin Nunes has been coming on the show, and Ambassador Grinnell talking about how he's gearing up for rally season and it's going to be bigger than any rally season he's done ever before heading into these midterm elections because we all know how important it is. But is he gearing up and uh, mentally getting back to, you know, going through some of these tragedies right now that, that probably, you know, have really affected his family?
11: Well, well, they have it's very, very tragic and sad, and especially for you know the children. Yeah. And it, you know, just to unexpectedly lose your mom like that. It's just it's very, very hard. And you know, it and the assassination also was just so, you know, unexpected. and it they're very difficult things to take. President Trump is an incredibly strong person, uh, and he it, it's amazing he keeps so busy. I mean, he had the Alaska rally. Um, he had uh, Las Vegas uh, big speech yep. uh, on Law and Order right before that rally, and he comes back, and then this awful tragedy uh, with Ivana, and we just pray for the whole family. And you know, I've spoken to him obviously, and it's just it's just very sad. And um, you got to just keep working through it, and and. You know, being there for your family, and that's what he is, uh, always has always been. And what the media has tried to do to this man and this family is so despicable. And when you see this tragedy and you think about the legacy of Ivana, and it's really this great family that has been so maligned and smeared. Uh, for no r- good reason, other than, you know, he happened to give up a very nice life uh, and sacrifice his nice life for the betterment of America, for our great country. And look at this family. They've gone through so much, and they're such great kids. They're such great people. And the legacy that they are leaving for this great nation. I mean, Ivana, in her own right, just just what they built uh, is so incredible and will be so lasting. Uh, it's just it's such a great testament only in America. Yeah. I mean, she was an immigrant uh, and they built this, you know, incredibly successful business. And then she went on after and they, they really kept the family together. I mean, they're such a good family man. And the with the grandchildren, they're just they love him so much. It is the sweetest thing. Uh, it, it is just they're such great people, and uh, just our prayers go out. I know it's so difficult during this time, but and President Trump is just continuing to to work and you know put the truth out there, and he's still putting out statements to boost his candidates. You know, you, you mentioned Dan Cox. His yep. big Election Day today. He's just he's so gracious and. And really selfless and giving uh, his energy out to, to people that, you know, he knows will make a, a difference for our country. So it, it's it's I I don't want to speak for him too much on a personal sure. level, but it has to be, you know, tough few weeks, obviously, as it would for anybody. And he's just he's an incredibly tough
3: person no he is and he wears a lot of his emotions on his sleeve we see it you know knowing him from throughout the course of his presidency i grew up in the tri-state area uh in in my life and watching him on and he you know he was on the news every night for something that he was doing whether it was in regards to his shows or his business dealings or you know it, it was just like if you lived in new york new jersey or pennsylvania donald trump was on tv in some way shape or form almost every day uh you know and and just to, you know, have it to imagine him going through two big tragedies like that in such a short amount of time. Uh, I'm interested but uh, optimistic about how great he's going to rebound. We do know that he's such a family man and the fact that he enjoys all of his grandchildren and uh, – we're excited for it, and, and we're, we're looking to see a little bit of that on Friday night, which is the last point I want to ask you about, Liz. Now, we saw, we're, again, we're the only podcast in the country that covers every Trump rally soup to nuts. Uh, all the guests he's doing the Save America rallies for, we play sound bites from them as well. And we try to give as much commentary on some of the things he's trying to deliver to the American people. It's one of our trademarks. But uh, last week in uh, Alaska, we saw kind of like a 2015-ish Donald Trump. Uh, He had the New York accent out there. He was dropping some curse words in the rally and was really interactive with the the base and and hitting on some topics that he's never hit on before or hasn't hit on in a while. What do you think was... uh, I don't know, maybe in the soup that he had before the rally uh, that that brought out some of that energy. Like, we, you know, we, every guest we've had on the show has had amazing things to talk about. Now, all of his rallies are good. And believe me, he has funny parts in all of the rallies and, and it always brings big energy. But it just seemed like there was something in that Alaska rally. As I'm sitting there, like, watching it live on the TV, I was like, man, I'm getting, like, 2015, 2016 vibes from this.
11: But that was, like... A very very I and mean, they're all good but yeah it's, it's like it was a very very good one <laughs> and the energy I think I don't know I don't really know the reason it's just sometimes the energy of the crowd really um affects you differently and I kind of noticed that uh, with Wyoming as well yeah these indoor arenas that are just so packed and the acoustics it just it, there's a different feeling than the, the outdoors ones, which you see, you know, are packed also, obviously, um, and they're incredible. But maybe it has something to do with that. I don't know. Going all that way. Uh, there, there's something about, you know, getting Palin and Trump in the same, you know, arena. That's just kind of, you know, fireworks. They're just so great. They're just such warriors that you just love it. I don't know, but it, <laughs> I definitely love it. Um I love the 2015 2016 vibes of President Trump. He just he is any time he goes off prompter, I mean <laughs> the, the speeches are great, don't get me wrong. They are. That's
3: most of the rallies. Yeah, yeah I mean, so. <laughs>
11: but but I mean, come on. I mean, off-prompter President Trump, you like take any day. Yeah. <laughs> the yes. weak guy, in my opinion. So, but yeah. it's just it's just incredible. And he was, I think, really just, you know, feeding off the crowd. There's great people with the Trump shirts. you're like, get on up here, yeah. you know, give me those shirts. <laughs> it's just it's just perfect. It's classic. Uh, It's timeless. It's just such great spirit. And that's, you know, people need that. They really need it. They need to gather together with like-minded people. They need to just, you know, let loose a little bit sometimes because things are not obviously going well right now. And that's a theme he's really started to struck in uh, in his speeches lately, you know, just speaking the plain truth, which we are a nation in decline right now, and we're not going to be able to fix it unless we, you know, name it and start talking about it. This is what I believe a purposeful decline, a slow motion demolition, really. And he's been speaking about this and we have to call it out. Um, otherwise, we're not going to fix it. But in the midst of all that, you're just being real. You're yeah. just being real with Americans, and that is what President Trump—he knows because he is real, and that's what he's always done. That's what he's always been most successful at, just being real. And um, that's that's what people are hungry for. So that's why I think so many people were just loving the Alaska rally. It was it was just real.
3: Yeah, it certainly was. And and when you're dealing with the once. You know, they call COVID a a once-in-a-generation or once-in-a-lifetime pandemic. We're dealing with a a once-in-a-generation or once-in-a-lifetime political icon like Donald Trump, the likes of which we've never seen before. It, it, It may be fanboyish or cliche to say, but I'm telling you, you haven't seen Bill Clinton, Barack Obama, and eventually, if he remains with us in the living, Joe Biden go out and do any kind of events after their presidencies and bring 30, 40, 50, 60,000 people to just hear them speak about politics. And it's like one of those things where, you know, he has united the party so much and brought so many people into the political arena who just want to be regular people, but they know that these real issues have to address. They have someone who speaks now, like the common man who can really identify with them and explain to them like, Listen, we're a nation in decline, but if we pump the brakes and really do things that are going to get this country back on the right track, that's what's going to start making America great again.
0: Got to accelerate out of the turn. Yeah,
11: definitely. <laughs> definitely. Yes, we need that so, so desperately. I mean, it's just – and people feel it. They, they really do. And they, they're, they're just dying for for to hear that truth be spoken. I think it just – just to be able to hear it. Uh, it does a lot to kind of ease people's minds a little bit because they see everything going on and it just feels you feel like helpless sometimes it's like what is happening to our great country like nobody nobody signed up for this and it's just it's just awful
3: yeah and uh, what won't be awful is when he finally announces that he's going to be running again, which we all know is coming, but we'll, we'll wait for you to, to tell us at some point soon, <laughs> which is my last point. I want to be able to direct all our listenership to follow you across social media. Uh, Liz, if you want to give out them and we'll live link it in the show description today.
11: Yes. Truthsocial.com. Uh, I'm at Real Liz USA.
3: Perfect. And uh, it's been a pleasure sitting down with you. I, I, I speculate that we'll at some point in the future sit down again.
11: Absolutely, we You guys let,
3: are great. She is a Steak for Breakfast endorser. This is the spokesperson <laughs> for the 45th President of the United States, Donald Trump. Miss Liz Harrington, thanks for coming on Steak for Breakfast. Thanks so much for having me. Take care. So the Biden administration wheeled out some of their best all-stars to take center stage. Can't wait. Via the fallout from the visit to the Middle East, in addition to a lot of the other things we've got going on in the country right now, but we're going to stick in that thread to start Peter Ducey was in the White House press pool yesterday and uh, was asking KJP, why did Joe Biden go to Saudi Arabia if he didn't get anything out of it?
5: So ultimately, we get back
3: from
1: this trip. There's no new peace talks in the Middle East. Nope. There's no new commitment to increase oil production no. in the Gulf. So what was the point of this trip? Mm. I
12: just read out earlier, uh, Peter, of all of the things that all had of my occurred. Uh, that we, th- some of the, um, uh, uh, the do-outs or the some See, of the dust things that the uh, we for were able to get done all uh, during this trip. Look, I want to, let's step back for a second and talk about... Um, what the president was trying to do on this trip. Okay. If you look at this region, Finally. the Middle East, it's a critical... Uh, region. Uh, the president his intent was to make sure that there was not a vacuum uh, in the region so that you didn't have China and Russia stepping in trying to fill uh, that vacuum and so it's important never uh, for, for the United States uh, to, to make sure that we're having those conversations direct leader uh, to leader conversations uh, and that we, uh, and that we talk about our national security, we talk about food security, we talk about climate change mm-hmm. all are issues that are important uh, to the American family. But and so, it, as as it relates to the oil production, I talked about, and J- and Jared talked about what OPEC OPEC Plus did early in June. Uh, we are we are confident that we will we will be able to measure. She forgot to uh, mention women's rights and all that stuff of, of those conversations that the president had in the next several weeks.
3: Why not insist on a commitment though? He gets back with no commitment, and the price of oil per
7: barrel shot up. Yep. Is that what the president wanted, to go there and have the price of up more expensive?
12: But again, we have seen gas prices go down in the past 34 straight days. Aren't they down
3: dollars a gallon higher than when you guys took office,
12: though? First of all, we have to look at the impact of how we got there, right? You think about the war that Russia has taken on in Ukraine, an unmitigated war and a war that is brutal and that has had an effect on the price gas is going up almost two dollars we have talked about that endlessly and also we are also in a once in a generation pandemic so there are outside factors that have led to gas prices going up to uh, food food prices going up to inflation uh, going up so that is really important what we have seen in the last 34 days is that gas prices have gone down uh, by 50 on average by 50 cents per gallon that matters that matters to teachers that matters to firefighters that matters to nurses that matters to to everyday people and the president is going to continue to do the work to make sure the prices go down. I'm going to go I'm going to continue, Peter. Thank you. Oh,
0: okay. Good job. <laughs> wow. No, continue. Please continue blowing smoke up Biden's ass.
3: Hey, we're in a once in a lifetime pandemic and, and the most brutal war in the history of wars.
0: Once in a lifetime?
3: Mhm. Uh-huh. I think she said once in a generation. Yeah, so more of the same, but I did say this was an all-star performance, and, and they were wheeling out quite a few of them. We had White House economic advisor Jared Bernstein. He was coming in to talk, uh, well, like I said, like I teased, Noah's favorite issue, climate change. <laughs> and it seems now, even though the Great Wall of Mansion continues to hold, that the Biden administration is looking for reconciliation on the once-dead climate deal pact. Anything to dig their fingernails into that shows something that resembles what could be O.W. heading into the midterm elections. Let's hear this empty suit talk about a job he knows absolutely nothing about.
12: Chair. Uh, Senator Manchin said that he is a no-go on the climate deal because he has concerns about inflation. Is there a scenario where you all try to wait for better inflation news and then try again on that front?
9: Well, let me just start by saying, you know, better oh. inflation news. I mean, oh. that's a, uh, again, getting into a level of, uh, of forecasting that, that I'm not going to do in this period uncertainty. Mm. What I can very much assure you, though, is that the price of gas is considerably lower in July than it was in June. And this is something the president referenced uh, when the June uh, CPI report uh, came out. Uh, we're talking about, as I mentioned in my own opening comments, uh, a, a situation where the price of gas is falling at uh, about the fast the fastest rate it has in a decade and where uh, more than 20,000 gas stations now are selling gas for uh, less than $4 a gallon, that will show up. As uh, as some uh, easing of prices, I think when it comes to reconciliation, uh, the president has a view that was very clearly laid out in a statement last Friday. He will always uh, follow a legislative path to get the deal done uh, for the American people to deliver the kind of relief, both near term and long term, uh, that uh, he came here to administer. Uh, but if the le- if if that if part of that legislative path to reconciliation closes. Uh, uh, we have other options. Uh, we could certainly pursue reconciliation uh, with uh, two critically important policies. Uh, lowering the cost of prescription drugs mm. and lowering the cost raised, of health insurance premiums to which uh, you know, folks who get that from the uh, from the exchanges, particularly on <laughs> So
0: anytime gas goes up, mm-hmm. it's Putin's price hike, it's this, that and the other thing. We don't control gas prices. The president has nothing to do with gas prices. And then it goes down. And they make these nebulous comments like, whoa, blah, 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 the price of gas is down. Blah, 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 president. We're
3: going to get to that. Jeez. But before we do, we're going to talk about the uh, expert levelness of KJP in regards to describing what Jared Bernstein was talking about in reconciliation, the climate bill, and all things related to anti-inflation. Uh, inflation.
12: President's plan on uh, reconciliation will actually bring down inflation—an anti-inflation bill, if you will. Uh, And if you look uh, at—if you look at um, uh, when you bring down the deficit, as you all know, that actually will help uh, inflation. So look, I'll I'll lead you to the expert. I am not an economic expert, but they have said themselves uh, this is an anti-inflation bill, and it will help uh, help with that fight and what we're trying to do, which is our number one economic priority. The president's number one economic. Priority,
0: which is bring. No, How do you feel about the uh, if it was his number one priority, then we wouldn't be doing the things that we're doing to cause inflation right now. It's
3: the fight against inflation. Oh, that's right. Sorry, it's a never like, ending fight. Sounds like a outtake from a lost episode of Dragon Ball Z. Circling back to that narrative that you just talked about inflation bad, president good, right? Well, it's listen, we all know that there's horrible speechwriters across the board for the Biden administration. And uh, their talking points are more than disconnected to reality. But he actually said exactly what you uh, led into. Let's hear it.
9: Because when the gas prices go up, it's got nothing to do with the president. When we see some decline, you want him to get the credit. Uh, look, I think that uh, that, that uh, it, it, there's, there's no both way thinking oh. here at all. I think that uh, there has been uh, a consistent... Uh, Uh, I think, pressure on on this White House to try to do everything it could to ameliorate inflationary pressures. And the President has reacted uh, from the beginning, talking about how this was such an important priority uh, to uh, 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 alleviate these pressures on behalf of the American people. So what did he do? He put his head down and got to work and got us to work to do everything we could to achieve that goal. He then presided over the largest historical release of uh, barrels of oil from the Strategic Reserve, 180 oh, goodness, million India. barrels. Then he talked to global partners to get them to kick in uh, another 60 million. Uh, so so he, knows, he... It was Putin's fault. When they're coming down, he gets the credit. Yeah, exactly. I very much disagree with that framing. I think what's happening here oh, is a president how, who is how, working how uh, tirelessly to uh, address the uh, largest constraint, probably the toughest constraint, uh, facing uh, American households right now. hmm
0: Besides the constraint of this administration just fucking everything up?
3: Any of their proposed economic packages and bills would bankrupt this country into oblivion. Oh, yeah. I mean, we're already toes on the line in in regards to just about everything uh, regarding this economy. And for for those of you who live in places that aren't necessarily drastically affected by any of this stuff right now, the recession we're already starting... And the best of the experts, I, I listened to Larry Kudrow for an hour yesterday. He 100% is all in, on. we're already in the beginning of this recession. We're there. Uh, places like the, the well, the most expensive places to live in the country are already feeling it. The Californias, Connecticut's, New York's, New Jersey's, Virginia's, places like that. Some of the blue wall states. But uh, let's get off the economy a little bit. So Saudi Arabian trip tanked, economy tanking. What else could we possibly do to uh, destroy the infrastructure, literally and
0: physically, of this nation, all the way down to the human aspect of it? Oh, we're gonna try to do some more green shit. Well, four-star admiral. Oh no, Randy Levine. Good old Randy
3: was out doing some shows this weekend, and they there was talking about coming after the kids. You ready? Zeezer.
8: We really want to, 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 to base our treatment and, uh, and to uh, affirm and to uh, support and empower these youth, not to limit their participation in activities and sports and even uh, uh, limit their ability to get gender affirmation treatment in their state.
3: Mm, good for her, him. This comes on the heel of Time, Time Magazine nominating, air quoting, Leah Thompson, male transgender athlete
0: for Woman of the Year. And this is a prime example of even the people that don't agree with this have to keep their mouth shut because the the fucking wackos that do agree with this, not only are they in charge, but they're the most outspoken, violent, canceling assholes on the planet. So it's like even if you're just a normal person, okay, yeah, you voted for Biden, you're a little bit on the left, you're progressive, whatever, but this stuff seems like it's fucked up and just way, 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 way crazier than anything that you can sign off on, you're fucking silent. Yeah. You're not going to say anything. You're not posting on social media about it because you would instantaneously be canceled and blocked and deleted and caused, called a racist and even Fired worse. Fired from your job. Called a Trumper. Mm. Oh. hmm Speaking
3: of Trump-ever policies, mm-hmm. Democrat D.C. Mayor Muriel Bowser was on... I can't remember what he calls all these shows. Fake face the nation this weekend. She has an issue and she needs some help from the Biden administration. Apparently the near 200 busloads of illegally present non-citizens in Texas that have been bused directly to Washington DC and dropped off in front of the Capitol have now overran all of the homeless shelters there and are beginning to contribute to the crime wave that has engulfed
0: our nation's capital. Uh, Since the summer of 2017. Wait, you're saying that all these doctors and lawyers and engineers and engineers are causing problems in your city. Imagine that she would like this to stop.
12: The uh, Washington Post reported last week that homeless shelters in D.C. were filling up. Um, and groups are getting overwhelmed by these buses that the governors of Texas and, and Arizona are sending here, full of migrants. How
10: significant is this influx? How many people? Well, this is a very significant issue. Um, we have for sure called on the federal government um, to work across state lines to prevent um, people from really being tricked uh, into getting on buses. Uh, we we think they're largely asylum seekers uh, who are going to final destinations that are not Washington, D.C. Oh, so uh, um, I worked with the White tell. House to make sure that FEMA provided a grant to a local organization um, that is providing services to folks. Um, but I fear that they're being uh, tricked into, nationwide um, bus trips when their final destinations are places all over the united states of america
0: Mm -hmm. oh so you're saying you'd rather just spread them out and not have them go to the capital
3: how dare we well all of those ngos and uh religious entities who serve as pit stops for all the doctors, lawyers, and engineers who are illegally crossing our borders right now. We're all criminal enterprises anyway. Mm -hmm. And just as complicit in the migration crisis that we have on the southern border as the cartels are. I'm sorry, but it's true. Yeah, it is true.
0: Now, if these people are being tricked into getting on these buses, that Mm -hmm. is fucked up, and that's wrong. But at the same time, a lot of these people, they don't care where they're going.
3: Well, the thing is... How about the people before they get on the buses that trick them to come into the United States because they said everything they're getting is immediately free?
0: Yeah. So then they... Which we're getting
3: close to, but still isn't necessarily the case. Yeah. Now they're in a
0: homeless shelter and they have to steal.
3: Mm Mm-hmm. Someone who never steals lines from anywhere are the current speechwriters for the vice president of the United States. Didn't didn't she lose one? She did. (laughs) But the new one... Sorry to assume her gender. but Seems more stat-driven mm-hmm. and was talking Venn diagrams this weekend. Let's hear Ooh. it.
12: You know, I asked my team to, to you know, I, remember Venn diagrams, those three circles, right? And then let's just see where they
5: overlap. So I asked my team, I said, you know, do a Venn diagram on two circles for me.
11: Um, and, and two circles? In particular. The overlap of states that are attacking the freedom to vote and attacking women's freedoms over their own bodies. Hmm. There are 10 states that are doing both. Here's the point. Our freedoms are all connected.
3: (laughs) What? It's perfect. It was like a montage of all of her speeches put into one, and then you take out the word space and add the word Venn diagram.
0: All right. Hot talking point, hot talking point, Uh, Venn diagram. uh, These states are evil. Uh, I'm surprised she didn't mention people by name.
3: The stuff that we're incurring and seeing at the state level is clearly defined in the Constitution as states' rights. When it comes to voting, there are actual constitutional guidelines to this stuff and where the states lie in it. When it comes to things like abortion, it's not. So it's up to the people who are voted into office by the voter base and constituents of said states, if there's 10 of them, so be it, to make those laws, rules, legislation, and regulations in regards to what's going to happen with that. And if the people vote people in and they don't like the policies, guess what? Vote them out. In a couple years, you could vote them out. Fun fact, there's no checkpoints at states' borders right now that people are asking for IDs and pregnancy statuses.
0: Uh, There are, however, vaccine passports in certain places. True
3: story. Um, Switching gears on the 10-speed, Mayor Pete... I don't know if you saw, Noah has been up on Capitol Hill getting his ass absolutely handed to him for the last couple days um, due to all things related to transportation. He's such a douchebag. Texas Representative Troy Nels was uh, pulling off a couple 360 dunks on him. And uh, let's hear what he had to say in regards to uh, Mayor Pete and the Biden administration.
8: And for good reason. Sadly, he shakes hands with ghosts and imaginary (laughs) people. He falls off bicycles. Even at the White House Easter celebration, the Easter Bunny had to guide him back into his safe place. Cue cards that say, sit here, or Mm. end of speech, which he actually states, that is, if he stays awake. So my question for you is, sir, have you spoken with any other cabinet members about implementing the 25th Amendment on President Biden? Mm. First of all, I'm glad to have a president who can ride a bicycle. And... I will look beyond
5: the the insulting nature of that question and Mm -hmm. make clear to you that the president of the United States... Have you spoken to any other cabinet
8: members about implementing the 25th Amendment on President Biden?
5: Of course not. Please allow the witness...
8: Have you emailed... This is my time. Have you emailed any members with the the executive branch about the president's health the or president's of President the United States.: including text is messages as from your private phone. boss
5: as I:
10: have I have pleasure this.
5: of working
8: with.: What
10: about a political Because He doesn't do anything to.: Have you, you spoken: about gentleman's
6: time has him. expired. me:
8: <clears throat> I couldn't hear the question. I'm sorry Well, will you yield me na- one minute, sir?
5: Absolutely not. If you, if you had uh, yielded uh, the secretary some time to actually answer the ridiculous question, you might have actually gotten something. We will they now... Cut off his um, mic. We'll now uh, turn to Mr. Garcia for five minutes. So
3: it sounds to me, and there's a lot of funny stuff in that, in that clip. First of all, I enjoy the president that has the ability to ride a bike. Like if that's some kind of knock at Donald Trump, then swing and a miss. Yeah. Like you do with a lot of stuff, Pete, you're
0: completely unqualified for your job. Always have been, always will be. Um, It sounds like... I just don't like how they can dance around this shit and have people protect them. Like, make them answer the fucking questions. Like, if there's a fucking question, you should address it. It sounds like they're starting
3: to lay the groundwork for the congressional inquiries that are going to come into... via the form of impeachment uh, after the midterm elections. And FOIAing and asking for requests from all cabinet members regarding the mental health and status of the president and inter-office communications whether it be private or not between them, are some of the things that are going to come to the forefront.
0: What about the cognitive test? How come we don't get to ask for one? How dare you? No, I mean, they made Trump do one. How
3: dare you? Listen, they've all laughed off that question uh, very
0: diligently. Like, if if you're a person who's living in this country today and you do not see just the black and white treatment of... Whether it's a political party, candidate, former administration, the way the media handles even something as small as like, uh, you know, school board meetings and parents that don't like things that are going on versus burning down buildings mm-hmm. and rioting in the streets and like, murdering people and murdering people. It's fucking insanity. And if you, obviously, you're probably not listening to this, but you're, you should be ashamed of yourself if you can't fucking think rationally anymore.
3: No, you're 100% correct, Noah, and it's, it's one of the things that we try to point out on a bi weekly basis right now. And in our last audio clip of the day, piggybacking off of the great guest that we had on uh, Friday with Garrett Ziegler and some of the information that he was talking about from the digital devices and, and things of such related to Hunter Biden, in addition to all the other stuff that's come out lately, uh, Tucker's team has kind of broken it down and talked about the embarrassment level of it. Let's hear it.
10: As we reported on Friday, Joe Biden was suffering from such severe dementia during the 2020 presidential campaign that his wife and his staff medicated him before his public appearances. Wow. Not guessing about that. We spoke directly to an eyewitness who saw it happen multiple times. That means that everyone around Joe Biden has known perfectly well for more than three years that he is incapable of serving as president. And yet knowing that, they foisted him on the country anyway. Why did they do that? Well, of course to carry out a task, to carry out the revolution, to end the historic protections of free speech and self-defense in the United States, to hobble domestic energy production, to scramble gender roles until no one can think clearly, and then hook the middle class on federal handouts. That was his job. Like certain species of marsupials, Joe Biden's task was to do one big thing, in his case, change the country forever, and then disappear. We've reached the disappearing part right about now. Democrats would like Joe Biden gone, soon. He's no longer useful to them, he's just embarrassing. He shakes hands with thin air. He compliments the Holocaust on state trips to Israel. Awkward. Can't do that. So not surprisingly, almost 70% of Democratic voters don't want Joe Biden to run again, so you can be certain that he won't. No matter what his staff is claiming now, they don't want to be relegated to lame duck status, so they're pretending otherwise. But no matter what they say, you will never hear another word from Joe Biden after January of 2025, yeah, that's assuming true. he makes it that long.
3: Very factual. It's pretty interesting. We presented to our listenership for the first time a lot of that narrative that he teased on Friday and led in with yesterday on his show. Um, It's not like Garrett is a virtual unknown. He was a White House staffer and, and, you know, assistant to the President of the United States during the Trump administration. No, maybe somebody on Techie's team is a fan of Steak for Breakfast. Hi. Yeah, wouldn't doubt it. How you doing? So we all know... uh, Our good friends over at the uh, War Room crew like our show. Hi, guys. Yeah, we like them, too. I I got a, you know, as we're wrapping this segment here, I got a text message yesterday. I'm not going to say who it's from. It's from one of our great friends. Uh, It was in regards to a political candidate who we've courted since they've announced. And, uh, you know, they were talking about the candidate going on War Room recently, to which point I, uh, you know, made like a sad, joking gif. And and I got the reply, we, we, it was, you know, we had to run them on Steve first. It's fine. <laughs> it's better than Kelly Chewbacca straight up telling us no. She'll come back. Yeah. But, uh, no, busy news week, and, and we're still on the front end of it. I can only imagine what's going to happen between now and Friday. We've got the uh, climate crisis executive orders coming down the pike. And, uh, you know, with the shape of the economy and, and you know, things related to the uh, energy crisis, you know, places like Texas are just absolutely getting slammed right now. They're having a really warm summer, not climate change induced, but historically warm And they're, you know, We all know about their power grid and how awful it is down there. So only a matter of time before we start seeing brownouts here in Southern California where we're at. And, uh, you know, we're seeing huge, massive monsoons up in uh, the tri-state area. So, but we'll see what they have to say about it tomorrow, and we'll be bringing it all to you on uh, Friday's edition of the show. All right. Joining us next on the show today, he is the uh, 76th president of the New York Young Republicans Club. You've seen him produce a lot of commentary on places like Newsmax, and he's joining us again on Steak for Breakfast. Mr. Gavin Wax, thanks for coming down. Thanks for
7: having me back, guys. Great to be here.
3: Sir, the pleasure is all ours. How's everything going on your end? What's it looking like in uh, the great state of New York right now?
7: Oh, well, you know, it's great here in Gotham. Crime is rising. People are fleeing. The economy is uh, a complete mess. Inflation is hitting the city hard. Some of the highest, I think we've we've peaked in terms of uh, the rents for one bedrooms here in Manhattan. So uh, pricing normal people out, putting the crazies back on the street. It's the New York way.
0: Do you have uh, the uh, quote unquote New York nose? Can you hear,
7: can you smell the trash or... i've certainly become accustomed to it uh but there's there's no such thing as new york eyes so when you see the rats scurrying uh you're just you just have to embrace it that's the only thing you could do
3: i did see the uh, pizza rat was going viral again last week and he brought a (laughs) bunch of his friends with him to steal pizza as well it's pretty sad to see one of our greatest uh well, historical cities in regards to the country itself just completely fall into the abyss that it's in right now. However, we do have people working really hard uh, like you out there and, and a lot of the people you're associated with. You know, Vish Burr is a, a reoccurring guest on the show like yourself, and, and we love hearing all the great things he's doing right now. What are some of the things that you guys got going on at the New York Republican Clubs that our national listenership might want uh, be interested in?
7: Uh, we're, we're planning litigation. We love to sue. We just want a lawsuit, obviously, to strike down uh, the gerrymandered assembly maps. We're obviously continuing uh, our regular activism, rallies, uh, upcoming speaker events, socials, networking, et cetera. Uh, but we're going to have boots on the ground this cycle, hopefully getting some more people uh, elected uh, in the state legislature at the Senate level. We have a candidate of our own running in Queens in a very flippable district, hosting fundraisers for him, Stefano Forte, yeah. uh, in a district that Curtis Sliwa won. Uh, but we're going to be doing that across the board to get uh, conservatives, populists selected uh, to the New York state legislature as Republicans uh, to move the needle and, and slowly t- retake this city uh, and state back. But, you know, it's a it's a slow march, but we're here for it.
3: No, I like it, and uh, you know when you're talking about some of those local races there, that's how you kind of chip away at the the larger infrastructure that's built up, you know, by the radical progressive left, just taking them out one seat at a time, one assembly person at a time, a state senator at a time, and then you could start, you know, fighting for legislation that's more, uh, you know, geared towards what's actually going on in New York and not the uh, stuff that the radical progressives want to, you know, do coast to coast from San Francisco to NYC.
7: Yeah, people need to stop, uh, you know, forgetting that, you know, really what happens and the most impact that can happen to your life politically is at the local level. You look at district attorneys, look at this guy, Alvin Bragg, here in Manhattan. I mean, barely anyone voted in the election. He basically just cruised into victory. uh, And because of the power he has in the district attorney's office and the choice to not prosecute uh, violent criminals and thugs, your quality of life is going down. Now we're seeing rapes, we're seeing murders, we're seeing assaults, we're seeing every index of crime exploding uh, because people just simply didn't care about what was happening at the local level, even Democrats. There were a lot of moderate Democrats uh, or just sensible Democrats who were upset uh, with his decisions and, and, and him winning. I mean, you saw it in The New York Times. The comments section was attacking him. And they were thinking, oh, I can't believe we we didn't you know vet this guy more. So you got to focus at the local level. I mean, you can have a, uh, a county executive like we have in New York, a mayor, uh, a, a local DA have much more impact on your life than anyone in Congress uh, or anyone at the, the federal level. So we can't let these things fall by the wayside school boards as well, uh, which are a bigger thing outside of the city. We don't have school boards in the city, but school boards, I think Republicans are starting to wake up to are a massive uh, uh, political position that 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 drive a lot of what's happening uh, in our society, in our culture, because they dictate the policies at the schools. And we've just let these things uh, be neglected for so long.
3: Yeah, it's a good point. We talk about it on the show all the time, how back in the 90s, there was kind of like a, uh, one of the first waves is the assault on teachers and the curriculum. They wanted to kind of rewrite history. And a lot of that uh, went into the national PTA movement and the national, uh, you know, uh, Teachers Association unit. And both of them kind of did like back off the teachers, back off the teachers. And then we're here like 30, 35 years later and look at the curriculums that are getting taught to the kids inside the schools. Yeah, it's all Fabian
7: style takeovers. They slowly infiltrate institutions over years, over generations. They play the long game. You know, they don't make sweeping changes all at once. They progressively do it over time, uh, slowly, you know, especially taking over the institutions uh, that are opinion generating institutions, whether it's our education, the media, the culture, et cetera. Those are the most important things to take over because they can influence, uh, you know, what people are going to be voting for and how they're going to be voting and their opinions over the next few years. You take those over first and then you don't even have to take over institutions then you could just do sweeping changes so it's part of the left's agenda in terms of how they slowly uh, erode a nation a society from within uh, and replace it with something completely uh, alien to what people even one or two generations before would have recognized and that's what we're seeing in the united states happen at the local state and federal levels you're seeing just a slow march Uh, you know, towards their dystopia. And it begins with little things like, you know, how they're influencing the schools, how they're influencing these PTAs, how they're influencing the school boards, et cetera. And then the next thing you know, uh, we're living in a left-wing, woke, dominated society that you probably wouldn't have recognized even a few years earlier. Sure.
0: The people that are now starting to realize that they wanted to be all progressive and they wanted to just be pushing for everything that the right would hate because they just wanted to push for the things the right would hate. Now they're starting to see that, okay, things get a little weird. Yeah. And rather than them speak up about it because, God forbid, they get canceled by their own team, they just silently you know, Homer Simpson into the bushes and just ignore everything.
3: Yeah, it was, uh, I want to be super progressive, so I want everybody to have everything until my kid comes home to tell me that six months ago his guidance counselor started putting him on puberty
0: blockers. And now I'm moving to Texas. Exactly. So, so
3: no, it's it, it, human psychology.
7: True, yeah, it's human psychology. They go with the herd. They go with the group. Uh, you know, most of them are not really true believers, but they're bullied into submission. They don't want to. You know, they don't want to stand out. They don't want. They're, they're too. They're too scared. They're too cowardly. Uh, and of course, then when push comes to shove and it impacts them directly uh, in a way that they can't, you know, necessarily stomach, uh, then they either run and run and flee or they just go into a whole complete, uh, you know, just, you know, completely you know, the whole world, their whole worldview becomes shattered and, yeah. they, and they lash out. I mean, very rarely will you have someone uh, who has the, you know, the the the, the character uh, to accept that they're wrong and, and change views. I mean, we've seen a few prominent liberals and moderates, you know, kind of call out some of the craziness, but, you know, they're far. And few between. They're they're the exception, not the rule. And that's the problem that we're facing.
3: Yeah, no, it's definitely a crisis right now. But we've seen more pushback in the last 18 months to two years than we've probably seen since, you know, like a lot of these radical, uh, you know, organizations really got their footing back in the 90s. And now it's the pushback against them to try and regulate and disband and bring back to more of a normal. I mean, when you just look at the logistics of, of, you know, averages across the world, President Trump always says at his rallies that we're in the, the lower quarter quadrant of um, you know, reading, writing and arithmetic for the world, it, it definitely says what's going on. We have some of the finest schools on the planet. And, and we have some of the lowest producing, you know, uh, averages in regards to education. So there, there has to be some kind of a meet in the middle there. And we need to get back towards actually learning stuff in school instead of just learning about how people feel.
7: Right, I mean, they throw money at the problem, I and mean, you have you know these these giant bloated bureaucracies and administrative budgets that are not doing anything to really you know move the needle in terms of actual education. You have uh, the teacher unions also sucking up a ton of the money uh, going to their you know pensions that are bankrupting you know municipalities and cities across the country. Uh, and then of course, when you get to the curriculum itself, and it's so watered down. I mean, they've completely destroyed the idea of merit. I mean, even here in New York City, they're trying to get rid of uh, the merit-based entrance exam to many of the, the city's specialized high schools yep. uh, because they didn't like the outcomes of those tests because it was, it was tending to favor you know, Asian Americans and other groups uh, and they just didn't like that. They, so they push equity uh, rather than merit. And that's really what's also at the, the, the crux of destroying uh, a lot of our education. But it also comes down to culture. I and mean, you see the destruction of the two-family household and people that are at home instilling, you know, values in their children and their families to, you know, continue to self-improve, to, to continue to learn, to continue to self-educate. Um, and that's gone. And then you have these people that, are, you know, you know they're just studying to pass the test to move to the next level. Uh, but we have degree inflation too. You get to the higher levels. Everyone has a college degree today. It doesn't mean anything anymore. It's, it's, it's a college degree today is what a high school degree was a few decades ago. Yep. So, uh, and then, you know, now it's a, you need a master's to get what a bachelor's degree was, so on and so forth. So our whole education system is a total mess. And at the higher education level, most of the, the, the spaces at these institutions are given away to foreign uh, foreign students, you know, foreign visa yep. holders, you know, student visas at the expense of Americans. So the, we, we need a complete reform from the top down.
3: Yeah, we see a lot of candidates running in the midterm elections right now at like the House and Senate levels, and a lot of the governors too who are looking to help uh, reinstitute some of those America First policies that we've gotten away to, especially when it comes to education at a national level. I do want to stay in the state and and talk about a couple of the races we saw over the course of the last few weeks. That uh, Carl Paladino threw his hat in the ring, uh, you know, in regards to running for a U.S. House seat there. I think it's a completely amazing move. You you got someone who's promoted America First values, self-made billionaire who's well rooted up in the state. The District where he's running. Also, very close ties to Donald Trump, advocate for the uh, veteran community as well, since he was one. How do you feel about someone, uh, you know, with the uh, star power as Carl getting in a race, even though it's late in the campaign season to uh, secure a House seat up there in New York 23?
7: Look, I think it's a beautiful thing. I can't think of a bigger uh, improvement uh, over Rhino Chris Jacobs, who's resigning the seat in disgrace. You know, he wanted to grab our guns, you know, voted. Uh, against trump he was a total rhino um and now we're gonna replace him with effectively a, a proto trump someone who was trump before trump really got yep. on the political scene you know he ran for governor uh back in 2010 and uh, this is a guy who was principled he's america first he's a conservative he's a populist uh he's beloved in that in that district in that region of western new york that's where his roots are uh so you have a guy who has the local uh community uh, support. He's not an astroturf candidate. He's not this hand- candidate who's just coming into the district because uh, they think they can win. He's a candidate who's built roots in the district, and I think he would be, you know, the equivalent of a Marjorie Taylor Greene of yes. the North. I think. I think he would be a real stalwart in Congress. I think he's something we need and he's gonna help this overall shift to the right that we're seeing in the Republican Party. So you get someone like Paladino in there, uh, it's really gonna pave the way for people, uh, for, a, for a caucus and a delegation in the House that's uh, becoming increasingly more right wing, which is what we need, because we're sick of these rhinos and we're sick of all these flakes um, in our ranks.
3: Oh no, you make a whole lot of sense, and the fact of the matter is, the two things I like about him is, due to the immense success he had as a businessman in the area, I don't really feel like he's in the same kind of category as Donald Trump. There's not going to be a lobby group or special interest that's going to come and be able to buy him. That's number one. And then number two, probably equally as important, you already mentioned it, it's his mouth. Uh, He does kind of go out there. Even though he's a little bit of an older guy, he talks just like Gosar, just like Gates, just like Green. And, you know, he tells... Okay, I'm not just America first. This is why I'm America first. and We we do need some people like that running the elections. I love the fact that he got in there, and uh, we're looking really forward to uh, tracking his campaign. He's going to be coming up here on the show soon as well. The next race I wanted to touch on was the, uh, the governor one. Uh, you know, I, I I look from the outside in, and a lot of people say it, it's mathematically impossible. However, we did hear some kind of the same rumors in regards to what's going on in Pennsylvania right now, to where the left almost teased wanting Doug Mastriano to win the ma- nomination there. But now you're seeing outlets like MSNBC and CNN starting to tease, like, okay, this wave that Doug Mastriano is now riding may not be able to be stopped and might take him right to the governorship in Pennsylvania. Uh, that was some of the op-eds that I read over the weekend and even as early as this morning. So it, it's like... You bring in these candidates who who run on an America First platform. They also champion, uh, you know, Trump era policies. But at the same time, it's some of the things they do in regards to the smaller issues, uh, protections for small business, uh, defense of kids in, in regards to education and stuff like that. And it really starts to identify with a lot of the walkaway Democrats and then independents, as we're seeing with national polls and contrast with like Joe Biden's poll numbers right now. How do you, how do you feel about the governor's race out there? And uh, it looks like it's something that's about to be heating up.
7: Look, I think the polls are closing, and I think Mastriano has a great shot to, to take that state. I think Pennsylvania has been trending red. Obviously, uh, Trump flipped it in 2016. He probably won it in 2020 with all the shenanigans. I remember right. watching the Pennsylvania numbers come in uh, on 2020, and it looked like Alabama with the margins, and then all of a sudden it disappeared like that. So I think this is a, a Midwestern state, a populist state, a heartland state, a state that has been uh, negatively impacted by globalism, deindustrialization, uh, and the neoliberalism liberal you know, order that has really brought this country down. And I think having America first populist firebrands like a Mastriano uh, is actually uh, electorally the best tactic and strategy. I think there's a lot of people uh, in the party, the consultant class, the beltway types who are going to tell you, no, we have to nominate the milk toast candidate. We have to nominate uh, the, the, the more, uh, you know, the more, you know, acceptable and, and respectable candidate, yada, yada, yada. But that just doesn't work anymore. We're in, the, we're in the digital age. We're in the age of internet. We're in the age of memes. We're in the age of tweets. Uh, and we're also in an age of the, the American decline and people need real leaders. They need people who are going to really uh, go against the grain. And I think in a place like PA, someone like uh, Mastriano was going to do very well. I think he could probably outperform Oz even. Uh, so we'll have to see what happens. But uh, I think all the doom and gloom predictions from the left, from the right, that you know, nominating him is going to lead to a surefire defeat. Are going to be uh, pretty foolish, especially when you consider uh, the the massive red wave that's coming, and it's going to really just carry you know a ton of candidates across the country. Many candidates who are probably weak on an individual level will probably just win because of this red wave. So you have a candidate that's strong like Mastriano plus a red wave. Uh, it's going to be very hard to see how the Democrats are going to push back against that, especially with all the trends continuing to get worse. The economy is getting worse. Inflation is getting worse. uh, You know, our our overall stability is getting worse. So nothing's going to get better before November. So we'll have to see what happens.
3: No, I agree with you. How do you think that uh, that campaign that Doug Mastriano is running up in PA compares to the one that's going on in the governor's race in New York right now?
7: I mean, look—they're two different states for sure. I mean, you know, New York hasn't elected uh, a Republican statewide since the early two thousands with Tacky, uh, and the state has changed drastically since then, demographically and electorally. Um, So it's a tough spot to be in. Uh, You know, I was a Giuliani guy during the primary; I thought he would have been the best bet. Uh, We're now—we now now have Zeldin, so we're going to unite around him. But we're going to have to see. I think he's up against. Uh, a massive spending differential it looked like he spent 13 million in the primary uh, to defeat Giuliani, who only spent half a million. Uh, now he's going into the general with about a million and a half and change in change in the bank compared to a massive, you know, double digit million war chest that Kathy Hochul is sitting right. on. I think she's a weak candidate. I think a lot of the trends are on our favor. Uh, you even look at Curtis Lee, well, there was trends in the city that were running in our favor, yep. but, you know, Zeldin's going to have to run, Uh, you know, a really strong campaign. He's going to really have to build bridges. He's going to have to really unite the base with, you know, the flippable middle center of the road voters. Um, And is he the guy to do it? I don't know. Um, You know, he was the party pick and the party generally doesn't have a lot of good track record in picking the best candidates nationally, statewide or locally, but I hope he wins. I think it'd be great for him to win New York. I think there's a slim possibility. I think at its face. I think he's going to do better than any candidate has in the last few cycles, at least going back to Pataki. But is that going to be enough? I don't know. Uh, I think we're going to definitely see a mini red wave in New York. We saw it on Long Island this past cycle. We saw it uh, in other parts of upstate New York, even in the city where we grew our city council numbers. Uh, So I think down ballot, we're going to have a lot of successes, but top of the ticket, I'm really hoping for a miracle, but it's going to be a tough fight.
3: No, it certainly is. And uh, I think I agree with you. Uh, Lee Zeldin is up against a little bit more of a you know, larger Democratic challenge, threat, and, and bank account when it comes to the New York governor's race. But, I mean, if you just look at the things right now that are really affecting New Yorkers, the economy, energy prices – Obviously, everything that's going on uh, with the open border that parlays right into the absolute crime wave that's stricken the city. You, you might want to throw a little, uh, you know, fentanyl crisis in there as
0: well. You forgot rats stealing your pizza.
3: And pizza rats. Those are things like, I, I mean, it's a pretty simple equation. There, there's millions of things that you could run on. I see a lot of these uh, national campaigns, some of these House races and Senate races that have gotten national attention. And everybody kind of wants to touch, you know, 52 shades of MAGA. But when you just stick to the top four or five points, Those are the things that, like, at the end of a debate, at the end of a commercial, you know, at the end of an online uh, tweet or Instagram message, if you just outline those things, like, your opponent, you're living right now in your opponent's version of what, you know, their reality is, and here's what we need to do to fix it. I I think that they would have much more success if they just stayed on the, the big talking points.
7: Agreed. I mean, look, it, it worked in it worked in Virginia. Youngkin yep. assembled a good coalition. He kept the Trump MAGA base and he ran on a lot of, you know, kitchen table issues, whether it was CRT uh, in the schools, the economy, et cetera. And he was able to create a coalition that brought him uh, into the lead. I mean, look at New Jersey. They had Jack Cittarelli. He almost won. I don't know if he was the best candidate, but the RNC, had they put a little more effort into that race uh, rather than the California recall, yep. which was never going to win, we probably would have had a, a Republican governor in New Jersey, which, you know, in many, ways shares a lot of similarities with the political and demographic makeup of New York. So, look, I think there could be a resurgence in the Northeast. I think, you know, Republicans have a lot of room to grow in the Northeast, you know, places like Rhode Island, Connecticut, parts of New York, et cetera. Um, we, we, there is fertile ground to grow here. We just need, uh, you know, a cohesive vision that plays to the local issues. You know, we need people that are tough on tough on crime, law and order, running on economic issues, but also just not being cowards or weak. I mean, you know, you need someone, people don't respect weakness. It doesn't matter where you come from on the political spectrum. The second you're weak and you flail around and you run and hide and, and, and you're so concerned about how the left is framing things rather than trying to frame things yourself, like you mentioned with the uh you know top four agenda items, that's when you begin to lose. And I think so many Republicans are so scared of being labeled that they they miss. They miss the whole point. They miss, you know, how to win elections because they're so scared of what the left and the media is going to say about them. But at the end of the day, the voters are looking for leadership. They're looking for people to be bold and they're looking for people to present a cohesive vision. uh, That's that's all encompassing. It's not just going to be lower taxes. It has to be more than that. Um, And we just can't be lazy like that anymore. We have to present a whole vision. How are you going to tackle crime? What are you going to do about education? What are you going to do about the economy? What are you going to be doing about, you know, social, cultural issues, you know, drag queen story hour? I mean, you need to present a cohesive vision to them like the left does. It's a crazy vision on the left, but it's still a vision. Uh, and I think that's the best path to victory in the long run.
3: Sure is. And, and you know, any of those candidates and, and a lot of them listen to our program. Uh, you, you know, anytime you think about getting away from those top issues and maybe getting tied to like being a Trump Republican or, you know, they, they try to demonize being a, a populist nationalist. Listen, just look at Trump's favorability in the party. Just look at the amount of, of space he has between him and, and potential general election candidate, too, and know that those are the issues that resonate with the, with the people and, and the absolute base because those are the issues that are uh, most affecting our country right now. Gavin, one thing I want to touch on you before we break is uh, there, are, there are reports coming out right now that the Biden administration is going to be issuing executive orders tomorrow in regards to a climate energy emergency. Um, Anytime stuff like this comes around, I always have that video saved of John Coleman when he he destroyed Mr. Potato Head on CNN, uh, you know, talking about how climate change is fake. It's not real. He sat in the highest level meetings as the founder and, you know, owner of the Weather Channel, and they used to tell him, listen, we're going to start doing this stuff to get everybody on board to work together. But when you look at the actual science and data, there's no real science and data that back it up. What do you think we got coming down the pike in the next 24 hours that uh, this administration is going to try and pull now?
7: Look, I mean, what we're seeing the world over, places from Sri Lanka to Albania to Panama to the Netherlands, I mean, there is a coordinated effort uh, to push for this, you know, this this great reset world economic forum agenda where they're going to use the banner of environmentalism uh, and green energy and all that, which, you know, maybe on its face Uh, You know, it sounds like a good thing, but what they're going to do, it's really just a power grab. So, you know, they want to bankrupt the farmers and seize their land in the Netherlands. They want to shut down, uh, you know, uh, you know, traditional energy sources and replace it with green renewables. This is all comes down to money, power and control. And I think they're going to create this this uh, crisis, Uh, they're going to create an energy crisis by trying to, uh, you know, implement some emergency measures, uh, depending on what Biden does. And I think it's going to send energy prices even further skyrocketing. I think they want a crisis. I think they want chaos uh, because that's really when you begin to consolidate power. It's in those uh, periods of chaos and crisis. So it seems purposeful. I don't think they're that incompetent. I have to think that this is uh, some kind of a Machiavellian play because I don't understand why, in the midst of an ongoing energy crisis, an ongoing inflationary crisis, that you're going to do things that are going to further restrict the supply of energy, fuel, gas, et cetera, to the economy uh, when we're seeing some of the highest gas prices, when we're seeing inflation across the and all the secondary tertiary impacts of uh, energy prices rising is going to be catastrophic to the economy. It's going to drive people further into debt, further into poverty. It's going to create even more unemployment. It's going to create a disaster. So uh, they must know this. if, If they don't, uh, they're incompetent, but I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt and say they want to do it uh, for nefarious reasons, and that's what we saw in these different regimes across the world. I mean, there's mass protests across the world that no one's covering in the mainstream media from these farmers uh, and all these other different groups that are protesting against their government. The government just collapsed in Italy, yep. uh, so there's a lot of different uh, social, you know, uh, re- you know, social strife going on right now, uh, and a lot of these policies that are being pushed from a globalist agenda uh, is is to blame. So I think that's going to be a continuation of this we'll have to see but i don't think it's going to be good
3: no i don't think it is either and uh, we're obviously going to have to track it and give it full coverage on our friday edition of the show but in between now and then we do want to Obviously, thank you for coming down and spending some time with us today. We really appreciate all the hard work you're doing out there, whether it's at the club out there in, in New York, the stuff that you do at Getter and, and for Town Hall and Newsmax when you provide commentary or, or write those great op-eds. And then, of course, all the work you're doing with Turning Point USA. You know, you, you've, you've got your hands on a lot of different things, and uh, you're really making a difference out there in the movement. But uh, we want to be able to direct our listenership to uh, follow you across the board any place that we can uh, do, and then we'll uh, live link it in the show description today.
7: Well, thank you guys again i really appreciate the kind words always great to come on the show Uh, you guys are patriots you guys can follow me at Gavin wax g-a-v-i-n-w-a-x that's twitter instagram facebook all the rest you can follow the club at n-y-y-r-c on all of your social and uh thanks for you know thanks for having me on again
3: yeah this is the 76 president of the new york republicans club mr gavin wax thanks for coming on steak for breakfast thank you guys take care great way to start the week coming off of a busy non-Trump rally weekend, but uh, we'll see if we can't correct that behavior this upcoming one. If you enjoyed everybody that uh, came and gave us their commentary today, in addition to the other 152 Steak for Breakfast podcasts, you can find them all on every downloadable podcasting platform. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Podad, Google Podcast, FM Player, iHeartRadio, the Patriot Podcast Network via the Roku app, and now we're on Frank Speech. Subscribe to the show and rate it, leave a review, and don't forget to download, listen, like, follow, and share Steak for Breakfast content. Show creds! Obviously go to our two amazing guests today. The uh, spokeswoman for the 45th President of the United States, Miss Liz Harrington, and the 76th president of the New York Young Republicans Club, Mr. Gavin Wax. In addition to him, some of our internet friends, Hugh White Memes, the patriotic babe's account, Mr. Garbaggio, Christina Bob of Save America, and Tom Pappert, the editor-in-chief of Valiant News Live. Friends, don't forget to go out and throw some cash at our partners because when you do that, it only helps make small American businesses great again. Speaking of which, my pillow Still got a little bogo. Still got a little my slipper sales going on. While supplies last, in addition to the hundreds of other amazing my pillow products go out and support mike lindell and a promo code stake at checkout for big big savings Mypillow.com pillow.com forward slash stake is the website or you can talk to a qualified pillow representative 1-800-658-8045 the top tier of ear gear and all things related to in-studio recording can be found at Odyssey.com. can't say enough about these headphones they are the greatest and i highly encourage you to go over to Odyssey.com, check them out find them on facebook and instagram as well stay ready gear holsters you want a picture of uh, hmm, D.C. Mayor Bowser crying about all the illegal aliens that have been bussed up to Washington, D.C. and are now overflowing the homeless shelters there. Oops. It's such great projection. They'll throw it on a concealed carry kydex holster and get those orders out faster than ever before. StayReadyGear.com is the website. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram as well. Man rubs. You buy it, shake it, sprinkle it, rub it, roast it, slow cook, smoker, barbecue. Slather on the sauce. Shred it up nice in your mouth. Num, num, num. Oh. Manrebs.com is the website. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram as well. Mike's got a simple occasion for all your gun-related needs. Firearms, parts, accessories, and ammo. Westcoastsurvivalarms.com is the newly redesigned, easy-to-use website. He's on Facebook Messenger and via the telephone. 619-870-6992. Mediocre Medic for all our first responders. You're going to love all the gear they've got going on down there, and you're going to like their Instagram a little bit more. Mediocre is the website. And last, but certainly not least, home of the Zero Fucks Duck. Still don't know? Want a military discount code? Go ask Mark Joe Friday. Dumpbox.us. They're on Facebook. They're on Instagram. The upcoming shows. We'll be back on Friday. We've got a great one. Mike Crispy is going to be in. He's going to tell us about his new show that's getting ready to launch. In addition to that, he's going to do the news with us, and we're going to be sitting down with a uh, a little bit of an expose. He's got a new book coming out, but there's so much more we want to talk to him about. Dr. Peter Navarro will be here. We'll swing it right back next Tuesday. Cash Patel will be joining us, and so will Boris Epstein. On the 2nd of August, Rick Grinnell, and former Marine and Assistant Secretary to the Department of Homeland Security, current artist Dave Richardson will be here. In addition to that... Well, yeah. Once a Marine, always a Marine. My bad. Adam Lexall, Carl Palladino, Mary Miller, Vish Burra, and Dan Cox, if everything goes well today, are all getting ready to circle back to the show. We're just finalizing some dates for you guys. Friends of the Week. Let's see. It was a busy weekend. Got to give credit to a couple of our uh, true social ones, the guys that are always... Every time we drop something, they're immediately sharing it. So we got... Beastie Man 420, mm. I See You, and 13th Gen Patriot. Thank you very much for sharing everything on True Social. And in addition to that, we got some of the regulars. Let's go Brenda, Silent Meme Geordi, Mostly Peaceful, Grand Old Memes. Dank Elvis, Dumbass Photoshop, Machiavelli Memes. Not Far Out, John Hacker LA. I think that's about it. Just kidding. Baby Cakes 2.0. Guys, things to remember between now and next show. Number one, do your own research. We're going to get hit with an executive order on climate emergencies tomorrow. Boring. Go to our Twitter. Go to our Instagram. Go to our true social. The John Coleman debunking climate change video is up. It's live, and it's attached to any comment or tweet or truth that's promoting this bullshit EO that's coming out tomorrow. Do your own research. John Coleman will tell you how it's done. Um, Start a podcast. How would we do today, Noah? Not bad. I like it. Let's start talking about American Greatness again. We're probably going to hear all about American Greatness on Friday night, and it's time that we start talking about it again. In addition to that, let's see what happens. This has been episode 153 of the Steak for Breakfast podcast, and we'll be back with episode 154 on Friday, starring Mike Crispy and Dr. Peter K. Navarro. On behalf of the pod team, I'm Ron. Noah. Yo. Antoinette.
10: Hi, guys.
3: Thanks for listening, and take care.
4: Does your friend often do that?
8: Strange. We all right?
5: (laughs) Be back, Jeremy.
4: Hey, what was that?
5: Went forward in time to view alternate futures, to see all the possible outcomes of the coming conflict.
9: How many did you see? 14,605.
5: How many did we win?
1: One. I've calculated every possible outcome of this. And in about 90% of the outcomes, we win. And those are all probable. But it's going to be hell on the way. Just like... Churchill told people to started World War II, he said, listen, I ain't here to tell you this is gonna be easy, but we're not rolling over, and we're gonna win, and it's gonna be hard. It's gonna be hard, folks. And we've already set up operations against them. We've already exposed them so bad, all our past work is like money in the bank. It's already, I can get killed tomorrow, or put in prison, or whatever. We already fucked them up. We fucked them hard. We fucked them hard. Fuck you, New World Order. We fucked you. But I want to keep on winning. And I think and I know my best work is about to be done. So I'm asking you now to pray to God for a global awakening. And I'm asking you now to use your will against these people and to peacefully speak out against them and to have this information go everywhere.